Hi, I'm your host, Dave Kemp, and this is Future Ear Radio. Each episode, we're breaking down one new thing, one cool new finding that's happening in the world of hearables, the world of voice technology. How are these worlds starting to intersect? How are these worlds starting to collide? What cool things are going to come from this intersection of technology? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. All right. So we are joined here today by Nick Morgan Jones. Nick, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hey, yeah. So my name's Nick. I am based in Berlin and I'm working on a project called Butterfly Audio. So I think in a nutshell, I'm trying to build hearing enhancing wearables for people who don't want to wear hearing aids. And I mean, this is the personal project, which has been, you know, part of my life for as long as I can remember, really. I uh, first found out when I was 10 years old that I needed hearing aids because I was sitting in class at school and uh, I think the teacher was getting annoyed because someone's alarm was going off on their watch and they didn't turn it off. And I was looking around angrily and who's got their alarm on? Because I, I had no idea that it was my watch and I couldn't <laughs> hear the high-pitched high tone. Uh, and then my mum said, yeah, maybe you should go get your ears checked. And turns out I had high frequency hearing loss. And so age 10, I'm still in primary school. So it's elementary school uh, in the US and I get hearing aids. And I had this interesting like feeling right at the beginning because the the idea of getting hearing aids back then for me was, wow, I'm gonna have superhuman hearing. I'm gonna be able to hear through walls and stuff and Mm -hmm. like be some, crazy spy gadget, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) And then age 10 to 11 is when you go to secondary school in the UK. So I guess this is beginning of middle school, high school combined. And I think I got like three days in of wearing these and I was like, nope, I actually want to have some friends. So Mm -hmm. I took these off and I went the next, I think nine years from that point, completely avoiding wearing hearing aids. Because uh, I just didn't want to be seen wearing them. I hated the idea of having these chunks of plastic, which are a bit of a, I don't know, a label that kind yeah. of said, oh, you're disabled in some way. And it, it's a weird trade-off, like looking at it in hindsight, because, you know, I didn't want to wear hearing aids because I didn't want to be seen wearing them. But the amount of embarrassing situations I found myself in because I wasn't wearing them, the amount of things that I missed when people were saying and yeah it wasn't it really wasn't great i think it it really made me realize just how important your hearing is for your sense of self in any social environment um yeah it wasn't until i was 19 when i went to university and i got some hearing aids then i figured probably about time i was to do that um paying far too much money for this university education Mm. i should probably make the most of it (laughs) and I, I was studying um, product design engineering. So it's kind of like industrial design. And as part of my dissertation thesis project at the end of my third year, um, I had the opportunity to design a medical product. And instantly this was, okay, I'm redesigning hearing aids. This is, this is super important to me, so I'm gonna do this. Um, and the project went quite well, but it was very much in an educational format. Uh, it wasn't really real world in any sense, but I definitely explored a lot of different angles there um, of how I saw hearing tech, what my kind of vision was uh, for how hearing tech should really be seen in the world. Um, after that 
finished, I realized that probably a little bit more money in um, digital design <laughs> than hardware design. And uh, I'm super fascinated with psychology and how people make decisions just in general. And UX design is a great combination of psychology and design that kind of brings these things together. And so for the next seven years, I've actually been working as a UX designer, user experience designer, designing digital products for startups, agencies, whatnot. Um, and eventually I just got to a point where I just really wanted to go back and work on my own project. And so I started at the beginning of this year, really focusing on what I now call butterfly audio, which is um, this project where I want to redesign, reposition, completely rethink how we use hearing technology. I love it. What a cool background there. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I met you on Twitter. Again, I always <laughs> sing the praises of Twitter as a unbelievable networking tool. Here you are in Berlin. Um, I know you're from the UK originally, but uh, it's just so cool that, you know, we're able to connect. I can learn about you and, you know, we're very like-minded in many ways. Um, and so I think that this is so fascinating that you had, you know, kind of all the way rooting back to when you were 10 years old, you know, this experience where you wanted to fit in. And, uh, you know, so therefore you, to your own detriment, you decided that, uh, the, the solution for, you know, the, the problem that you were diagnosed with, with high frequency hearing loss, you just decided was, um, the, the social element outweighed the benefits of the device. And, and this is like, you know, kind of the quintessential, um, problem I think with hearing aids in general is that, it's like so negatively connotated with old age and with disablement and geriatrics, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think that what's fascinating is like when we've started to talk and, and I've understood more about what you're attempting to do with butterfly. And we're going to get into that today is like, I think it's really interesting to hear somebody who's young, who has, you know, th that's presented with this in a world where, every single company that makes these devices is seemingly making them either in trying to make them invisible, which sort of reinforces the stigma. Um, and then they're also marketing it in such a way where it feels like it's connotated toward older demographics. So as a young person with a hearing loss, where do you fit in? I just find that to be really interesting. And I want to give you a chance here to kind of comment on that, which is like, it does seem like one of the problems in, in today's, uh, I guess, call it like the hearing aid environment and the ways in which we address hearing loss is it's so pigeonholed into a very specific kind of demographic, different user. And understandably, like that's obviously what makes up that demographic makes up the bulk of sales. So I do understand why, but I do also find it odd that very, very few, if any, of the campaigns that I've ever seen seem to target young people, like a child that has hearing loss and marketing the product and soliciting it toward in, in making it so that it's appealing. You know, it's not something like, again, going back to what you said at 10 years old, that seems to be something that is like, we really do need to unravel that in such a way because it, it has a lot of like really negative secondary implications the way I see it. Absolutely. I think 
yeah, move for context. I'm I'm 28 years old, and I've I can agree. I've never seen anything which is really speaking out to me or representing what I see as important in the hearing space. Um, and exactly like you said, I mean, looking at the available market for hearing technology, it's almost like an exponential line. The older you get, the more people right. have hearing loss, and therefore there's realistically more like, business opportunity in that area. Um, but there's still millions and millions of people under the age of 35 or whatever like a lot of young people have hearing loss as well and where are the products for those people um it 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 seems a little bit counterintuitive to continuously focus on this older demographic as well like you said this concept of aging is so closely tied to to hearing and the relationship that we have to these products is i don't want to wear this because it looks like i'm getting older uh, and then it keeps being marketed towards older people and then kind of reinforcing that stigma that only old people need this product. And so I've always thought, you know, why aren't these products even marketed or idolized around a younger population to really try to remove that stigma and association with aging at every step? Yeah, I feel a little bit left out in <laughs> in in this hearing world, to be honest. Yeah, so I think we both uh, I think we're both in agreement that there needs to be some kind of change, and uh, if it's not going to come from one of the big manufacturers, if if their interests are all sort of geared around the older demographics, now baby boomers, right? Like, where do people that are forty years and younger fit into this whole thing? And and I think that's what's so interesting. It's like, you know, from where you are coming at this, it's it's actually I think an extremely refreshing approach, which is why, first of all, why does a hearing aid need to be invisible? Why, why do we, why, because that's very limiting from a hardware standpoint. Like when we're talking about a device that is increasingly becoming smaller and smaller, and smaller, it's so limiting in terms of the features and the functionality and all that, because you just don't have that much real estate, you know, to cram all the different components that you need. It also drives up the cost big time. So by reinforcing this, uh, this idea that we should feel ashamed that there is a, a disablement or something like that, and that these things should be as invisible as it comes. Um, again, it seems really limiting. And so I want to give you a chance here. I think what might be best is let's go back to your design background. So, um, you know, start with like what you were doing with digital design how maybe some of that's translated. I know that in our conversation we had before we started recording, you had said like how brutal the world of, you know, designing hardware is and, and producing something. Um, but I think that I'm curious to hear about like how the, the software side has lended itself, you know, in all of your experience there into what you're doing now. And then from there, I would love to kind of start to open this up into in what you're learning so far as you, as you say in your Twitter bio, um, I'm Nick, I'm designing and building my own pair of custom in hearing enhancing wearables in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Where do I start? I mean, I, so yeah, the last six, seven years I've been designing digital products and I think conversely to hardware, the best thing or the biggest difference is just how quickly it moves and all iterations of designing and developing products 
um, just so much quicker. So you can realistically build a, a product which satisfies most of the things that a user needs in the digital world in less than a week a lot of the time and that gives you a chance to make something put it out and then learn about how people react to it and then change it and adapt it and iterate and move forward and it's you're so much more engaged with the 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 user the end user all the time uh so much earlier on in the process in order to kind of push and accelerate development of any product you're working on i think kind of now going into the hardware side um there's definitely no less need to be involved with the user um but it, it the iteration cycles it is so much longer i've now been kind of building what i'm working on now for a period of months uh and it's mm-hmm. only just kind of taking shape uh so it's, it's a lot harder to kind of make that that transition uh to the next stage i think but yeah i mean I, i've definitely learned a lot from building digital products uh, that can be brought into into the hardware world for sure. So I think like you know I've watched some of your videos and it, it looks like what you're doing is you're you're first off you've been deconstructing a lot of like the devices that exist on the market, kind of getting an idea of like the guts of the device. And so as you're sort of assembling your own device, like what's going through your head right now of what you're learning, what are things that you think maybe a reimagined hearing aid that's geared more toward, you know, and I don't even want to limit it to just the younger population because I think there's probably a lot of older folks that would would be open to this idea that like it doesn't need to be something that is made to be as discreet as possible. Some people might really want that and that already exists. So I don't think it's as if we need to reimagine that because that's there. I think that we do need to reimagine something that people are actually proud of, like they're, they feel like is, like you said, at 10 years old, I think there's actually a lot of truth to that, that, you know, in a way, especially today's modern, like hearing technology, it does offer a superpower in the sense of like, you can do things that you can't necessarily do on your own with your own God-given ears, right? So I think like, I'm curious, like, let's just start with the the whole what you're learning right now as you go and some kind of like the key insights that you're having as you you know kind of start on this process of of trying to like even in your own bedroom as a hobbyist basically what you're learning about things that maybe we can all be appreciative of about what this thing might look like as a reimagined hearing device yeah absolutely i i think the biggest element of reimagination here is the concept of visibility I am really against this idea of hearing tech needs to be hidden. It is, it, it sounds, it's just completely alien to me. It it is, but essentially I feel like the hearing aid manufacturers are designing things that should be hidden and ultimately suggesting that I should be ashamed of wearing them, that I should, that, that, that I ought to be trying to hide them. And I don't want these companies to be making that decision for me. I'll make that myself thank you very much and I've always you know growing up through school I had uh, friends wearing glasses and I was always so jealous because if you have bad eyesight you can choose from all these cool pairs of glasses which you wear you know not only to improve your vision but they become kind of a part of your 
personality in, in a visual sense, a, a decision to wear something that complements how you look. But hearing tech's always just been hidden the whole time. So the first thing that I've done working on trying to build my own pair of hearing enhancing wearables in my bedroom, as I say, <laughs> um, is they have to be visible. There's absolutely no attempt to hide them. In fact, it's quite the opposite. They, they're going to be purposely visible and unapologetically visible. Um, not in any crazy over the top sense, but they're going to be no more intrusive than wearing glasses frames. And this means going to occupying space, not behind the ear or in your hair or even in the ear canal, but outside of the ear, just in front of the ear where they're clearly visible. There's a lot of benefits for this, I think, technologically in terms of microphone placement. Um, also, from a user experience perspective as well, a lot of hearing aid wearers that I speak to really agree with the idea of if your hearing aids are hidden and you need someone to see that maybe you can't hear so well. Great point. It's kind of de defeats the objective of having something hidden as well. Um, so I think, yeah, that's definitely the first step. Uh, I'm a, a designer by, by experience and trade. I'm not a technologist. So actually building something is incredibly new to me and incredibly challenging. Um, but ultimately what I've been doing is focusing on this new form factor. How can I get something that fits and looks great? And uh, how can I find some electronics to put inside this thing so that it kind of works? And I'm approaching it very kind of you know, hacking together uh, whatever I can at the moment. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to the tech, because I think that's another important thing. There's a lot of great hearing technology out there. But I think what is like 80% of people who could benefit from hearing aids are not. Um, mm -hmm. So what I want to really try to do is stimulate that 80% of people who could really benefit from hearing technology and transform their lives in the same way that it has transformed mine um, by creating a product that people actually want. And that's the difference between having a product that they ought to wear, but actually have a product that they want to wear. Love that. That's really the direction I'm trying to take it. Uh, you said a, a couple things there that I thought were really interesting. First of all, I love this idea of like a different form factor. Um, and I had actually never thought about that, what you had said about, uh, you know, when you kind of make it more visible, it's uh, it's a signal that, you know, obviously, you know, I'm hearing impaired or um, people are curious as to what you're wearing and therefore they might they might actually ask you and then gives you an opportunity to tell them. And, and I think that's a very easy way to uh, extinguish a lot of stigmas. Like people are like, Oh, okay, that's cool. Those are cool looking things. Like, you know, so I think that so much of this is uh, it's psychological in, and it's been so reinforced over the years. And it's sort of like this self-fulfilling prophecy where, you know, the, consumer in, seems to indicate that they want it to be smaller and more discreet and therefore the manufacturers follow suit. And then, you know, so it's like uh, people just, it's like you're following this idea yeah, that like yeah. that's what every single person wants and it continues down this path without ever really stopping to realize that, you know, that might just be one portion of the patient demographic. And to your point, absolutely. to your point with the whole 80%, you know, it's like, this has been something that I've been talking about so often in so many different ways, which is like, it's really obvious that um, what we're doing today isn't really working at scale. It is catering to the severe, uh, the, 
the like 20% of the pyramid, if you will, the top of the pyramid, the people with the most severe hearing loss, people with profound hearing loss, the people that really do need it are getting catered to like, that's great. But in doing so, I feel as if we've kind of just completely neglected the people that are either on their way to that, you know, and they're not ready for hearing aids for whatever reason, probably largely because of either the price or the negative connotation or with how difficult they are to access, right? It's a combination of those three things. And so I, I just think like this idea of a, just a completely redesigned form factor makes so much sense to me because again, it's like, it's not like it's removing functionality. It's not removing what the product is designed to do. It's just repositioning it in such a way that you're, it just lends itself to a lot of different advantages. I would, I would imagine. Definitely. I, I think there's a really interesting thing when you design products for users I mean, a lot of like product people will say, don't actually ask them too many questions. Don't ask, don't ask people what they want because a lot of people don't really know what they want. Yep. Um, and especially in terms of, hey, what product do you want? What feature do you want? That's the wrong way of doing it. You have to understand what their needs are and then design a product around that. And I think when you ask people, you know, what what would you like hearing aids to be more of? And then they all say, oh, more hidden. Exactly. And, and that Because the whole relation to what hearing tech is at the moment, of course you want to hide it. I do every day. It's, it's, not, it's not something that you want to show. And so you can't really take that at face value because at the end of the day, you haven't offered an alternative. Mm -hmm. There is this existing form factor for hearing aids. The thing that I find a bit frustrating at the moment is that, you know, as we're going on, people going, well, honestly, the design for hearing aids, they're just so beautiful these days. And it's like, right, okay, but you've got two very contradicting points here. They're <laughs> so beautiful and they're so hidden. <laughs> yeah. But like, what's the point in them even being designed better? And realistically, the form factor never changes. There is a bit that goes behind your ear. I'm talking largely around uh, behind the ear hearing aids, but there's a bit that goes behind the ear and that has changed from, you know, a piece of brown plastic to maybe a piece of shiny black plastic. And that's not really changing it. And it's like, yeah, you've made it a bit nicer, but no one is ever going to see it when someone is wearing it. And so maybe it makes it a little bit more attractive to pick up off the proverbial shelf. Um, but it doesn't change any sort of public perception around the product for the secondary user, which is not the person wearing it, but everyone else that they interact with. I love and that. So I think it really needs to be just seen. You really need to kind of take it apart and understand what do people want. At the end of the day, people don't want to be ashamed. That's pretty clear. Yeah. So something's already wrong. Let's try and change that bit. Um, so why not just try and design a desirable piece of technology that people would want to wear and not approach it from, well, we've already got a hearing aid. Let's try and branch out from that, but try to just really rethink it. What is wearable technology? How should it fit? Well, clearly it needs to be near the ear, but let's approach it from that angle rather than, oh, it starts behind the ear and let's just keep changing the color of it and the plastic until people like it because that hasn't worked yet. Like, I think too, um, you know, going off of what you said, like, uh, if you just keep asking consumers what they want, they're going to just give you what they've only imagined. It's like the, the most famous examples would be like Henry Ford, you know, it'd be, they want a faster carriage or Steve jobs, you know, with the iPhone. And so I think it's like, I think that really resonates though, because I do think that 
it's something where there hasn't been an alternative. And um, what's happening today too, like broadly speaking from a macro environment, you know, with hearables and uh, the AirPods revolution, if you will, you know, everybody seems to be walking around with true wireless headphones today. And what does that mean? That means that there's this gigantic market that, that people are now catering to. And you look around and it's like, we live now in an age where people are just like walking around with these things and nobody really bats an eye. And the next phase of it is that a lot of those earbuds, whether they're the hearing aid manufacturer owned entities, i.e. GNs, Jabra, or it's AirPods uh, and everything in between, they're all starting to kind of like bake in this functionality of having, you know, this hearing augmentation. And again, it sort of implies this idea that it's like, well, people are going to be wearing these things for all these different reasons. You might as well just give them hearing augmentation as well. And so it's like, there's this implication there that like, those folks aren't ashamed of wearing these things. In fact, it's become so commonplace that no one bats an eye. And again, it's like, so with hearing aids, why, you know, I, I understand that like you obviously have one option where you can go the, uh, the route where you want them to blend in with all of the AirPods and stuff like that out there. But again, I think going off of your point, we can totally reimagine these things in such a way where they do become, I think, not only like, cool and appealing, but I think like they can be built in such a way where they're lending itself to all kinds of new use cases that are way more conducive when you have different kinds of form factors, rather than this tiny little Rick hearing aid with a little, like the music quality is not going to be that great. You know, it's like things like that, where these are features that now people are just accustomed to having in their day-to-day life. And yet you have limited yourself so much by following that that, you know, like idea of we need to make this thing invisible. Well, there's trade-offs. And I think those trade-offs, I guess my point here is that those trade-offs are becoming more obvious than ever before right now. Definitely. Definitely. I I think you're absolutely right. It's becoming completely normal to see people with things in their ears. And I think that in and of itself is a a reason to start, you know, riding that wave. I think there is an opportunity here. It's becoming normal to have things in your ears. So why not, you know, use that as a way to to make hearing technology uh, something that's, that is more commonplace. Let's take that as a, a foot in the door to kind of open that whole opportunity there. Um, I, I think that there's, you know, one thing as well with form factor with regard to things like, AirPods, and that is this. This still, th- there has been a few different um, attempts to make hearing aids that don't look like hearing aids, but instead mm-hmm. look like earbuds. Now, now, all I can do is speculate on this because very hard to predict the future. Not sure if you've realised, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> the challenge that I have with like AirPods as hearing aids is how we generally perceive them in public. If you're wearing your AirPods, you're listening to music. That, as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. There is a there is an idea associated with having something in your ears in a very similar way to if, you, if we're wearing sunglasses while you're talking to me, you're blocking a quite human interaction channel of, you know, connecting eyes or, you know, connecting ears. And when you have these things covering your ears or covering your eyes, it can almost be perceived a little bit as rude. 
And so there are a few uh, products which have come out recently that have been more like, oh, well, let's try and ride this wave of earbuds. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder how, whether or not this is a, an issue to, to make it look like earbuds for two reasons. One, that idea of it being a little bit um, maybe rude to be wearing them. And second, because it's, it's again hiding the fact that they're hearing aids. And I think this is a really important thing. We shouldn't be trying to disguise it. I mean, I've had people say, hey, why don't you make them look like earrings? Or why don't you make them look like earbuds? And no one will know that they're there. And that's not the point. The problem is that no one knows that they're there. And I mean, you look at the history of, of glasses, you know, over the last 80 years, I mean, even relatively recently, like glasses were a school kid's worst nightmare. You would not want to be seen wearing glasses, but today people will wear glasses that don't even have lenses in purely because they want to be seen wearing them. And this is because there we, we've changed what it means to wear glasses. We've changed this. People have an opportunity to buy something that you know adds to their uh, to their look. And so you have these different styles. And everyone knows that they're glasses. That's the important thing. If we were if we were making glasses that were disguised as cowboy hats or something weird like this, then you're really defeating the objective here. Um, so I, I, th I think that's just a, an important point to not try and make it not look like hearing aids. We just have to reimagine what hearing aids are. And I mean, I think that almost the first step is actually not to use the word hearing aids. I, I hate that word. <laughs> okay, that's perfect negative segue. connotations. Perfect segue. Um, I'm going to segue to that, but I want to just comment really quick because I, I agree with you. I think um, I'm very fixated on the big like behavioral and uh, societal like perception of everything, right? I think that the, the real like, in my opinion, amazing thing about AirPods is Apple really like ushered in a giant behavior change. Um, it used to be that you never really would walk around with things in your ears unless you were using them like for a very specific thing, typically streaming music. Right. Um, and I think that AirPods, it, it, it's sort of like was, it's now socially acceptable to be wearing these things for extended periods of time. Lots of times people aren't even listening to anything. It's like, I'm waiting for the next call or, you know, the next time that I pull out my phone and I have video playing, I can stream the audio in. However, I do think that there will be a point where it becomes too much. And I, I'm going to be really curious to see what happens when it's just to like what you said, where will we as a society allow that more or less? Like, will that be like societally accepted where you can just walk around with things in your ears where people have absolutely no idea? Like, am I, hello, can I talk to you right now? Or are mm -hmm, you busy? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I do have this like sinking suspicion that at some point there will be pushback to this. And, and maybe the solution is some sort of either bone conduction form factor or something that allows for your ears to kind of remain open some sort of form factor that allows you to straddle your digital and your ambient environment. I do think that it's just going to present itself to be a problem. I think at a certain point where as it continues to go up and up, they become more ubiquitous. It feels a little dystopian. And this might be odd coming from someone like me that I was really cheering AirPods on. And I still do because I think that they're 
there's so much good that comes from what Apple's doing right now. Um, but I think that I do think that we're going to reach a point where it will become a problem. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that whole problem is navigated. And to your point, you know, so if the idea is, well, we're going to just make ear, um, hearing aids that look like earbuds, let's use the example of a dinner conversation. Okay. So, all right, you know, you go out to a restaurant or something like that. So you're now targeting somebody that wasn't going to buy hearing aids, um, for whatever reason, probably because they didn't want to be seen with them, or maybe it's because they're too expensive. And now you're saying, all right, well, um, the alternative is you're going to wear earbuds in place of that to dinner, not really realizing that like, what, <laughs> you know, doesn't that then kind of present the conundrum of like, um, are you using those things right now as hearing augmentation? Because very, very few people are going to recognize that that feature exists that are sitting at the table with you, unless you explicitly make it clear. Um, and, you know, so I think like there's, it's a paradox in a way. Completely. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually did some user testing on this, which was kind of fun and made a video, which is a really fun one to make, where I was wearing some prototypes of my 3D printed prototypes of these hearables that I'm designing. And I had them in and I kind of went up to random people out in the streets and just started conversations with them. And I just asked people eventually like, hey, like, does it bother you that I'm wearing these? And it was weird. It was, a, I'd say it was about 50-50. Some people were like, yeah, no, not at all. I mean, they could have just been quite polite that I wasn't annoying them or whatever. But the other 50% were like, yeah, like this actually is annoying. Can you take them out? I feel like you're not listening to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think my learning from that was really, I think this is a, a, a an issue with like how exposed you are to this. I mean, in, in central Berlin, the kind of tech startup scene, walking mm -hmm. around with your AirPods in is as much of a, a status symbol as it is just kind of normal everyday, whatever. Right. That that is kind of normal to do it. Um but then if you're in a circle that is not surrounded by people wearing AirPods all the time, everyone thinks that you're listening to music. And so when I said we can't predict the future, like I don't know if this is going to change. Maybe, maybe hearing enhancing tech inside earbuds becomes so commonplace that everyone assumes like oh well you know they could also be listening to music maybe this will happen yeah yeah maybe this will happen i don't know but um i think it's it's a difficult obstacle to climb at least now when that doesn't exist uh and you know maybe it's only brands the size of apple that can really create those huge behavioral changes um, but, you know, even as Apple has overtaken half the world with AirPods, there are still plenty of people who think it's really rude to be wearing them when you're talking mm. to them. There's a lot of people that like, don't like AirPods, don't like Apple, whatever, just because they've done very well in a particular subset of the market. You know, there's a lot of people who still don't think that. So, yeah, I, I'm really focusing on a form factor that doesn't visibly block your ear canals. Uh, yeah. and I've had some success in user testing in this area. I think it will really be interesting to see, you know, a bit more like um, on, a, on a wider scale, whether or not this really, really works. Um, but that that's what I'm, I'm aiming for going forward. Yeah, I want to go to what you were saying, too, about language. You had a great video. Um, you know, kind of the way I found Nick was he does these videos. He does like these like one minute, two minute videos. And I saw him popping up on Twitter. I know you're on LinkedIn too, I think. And 
Um, I'm sure you're on other social channels, but I, uh, I, I came across the one that you had where you were talking about the way that we talk about these devices. And, and, and for me, I thought like, that was actually, I think when I messaged you, I was like, I need to get you on my podcast. Cause it was so, it was such an insightful thought. And just like, I think it's something that really needs to be a part of the conversation. Um, because I do think that the language that we use is such a issue with this whole thing. So I, I want to give you an opportunity to really kind of like share that whole, like the basis of that particular video and kind of like the insight that you had there. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say this is almost the biggest part. I, I think there's two really key things which need to change. One is on the design side. And the second is we need to change the rhetoric, the whole language that we use to describe these products. And you know, th this, this came from this idea that you know, I was taking apart uh, Bluetooth earbuds and taking apart hearing aids just to kind of see what's inside. What can I take out to put inside my new design? And they're largely the same thing. I mean, maybe some technologists will disagree with me on specifics, but like ultimately there is a, mm -hmm. the, the guts of a hearing aid and the guts of a Bluetooth earbud serve a lot of the same purpose and that they, they do a lot of the same thing. Um, but the language we use to describe these products is just completely different. There is this idea of having AirPods is a status symbol and, and mm -hmm. compared to you know hearing aids, which is something that people are trying to hide. And it's like, wait a sec, these are just positioned in a different place in your ear. They're ultimately the same thing. Like, why are we you know, talking about them so differently? But my favorite thing is how Apple with the new AirPods Pro, they have... Um, they have they have audio transparency so mm -hmm. transparency mode ultimately being that there's microphones on the outside uh, they hear the outside sounds and they pass that through and so you can hear it on the inside that's literally how hearing aids work that that is a hearing right. aid. so they've, they've ultimately taken what we talk about as hearing aids and then just called it transparency mode and was like oh wow so modern so cool <laughs> And so it's another great way of Apple achieving that goal, but it's, it's, we need to change the way we talk about it because yeah, I, I think there's a big problem with just generally you have a hearing problem and we're going to help try and get you back to normal. And it's, if you buy any consumer product, the, the, the objective of the marketing is never to get you back to normal. It's never to point out a deficiency in your life and just get you back to normal. It's all about making you a better version of yourself. It's like wherever you are right now, that's fine. You're, you're, you're okay. We're going to give you superhuman like powers in, in whatever sense that they're trying to sell. That's how I think we should talk about hearing technology as well. Because, you know, we were talking about this before that the available market hearing tech, if you look at kind of profound hearing loss, severe, moderate, and mild is about I think 1.1 billion people with mild hearing loss. Mm -hmm. And then it goes down to the second largest group, which is moderate hearing loss. And then the third largest severe and profound, but really the severe and profound um, area of that available market is really small compared to all of the people who have hearing loss. So we focus so much on this idea of providing a medical solution to a medical problem. Yeah. But the vast majority of people with hearing loss probably don't even really come under that definition of 
needing a medical solution. And I can't speak for everyone, but I'll speak for myself in the sense that I think uh, I have technically a moderate hearing loss. And I don't want to be told that I'm disabled. I think I'll make my own judgments of whether or not I, I feel less able in certain situations, that's fine. But I don't want the companies who are ultimately helping me to do that. Instead, I would like there to be a brand that actually supports the idea of, hey, don't you want to have superhuman hearing based on based on your hearing yesterday? Today is is superhuman compared to how it was the day before. Yeah, I mean, I like I think that this whole idea of of the way in which we describe these things, it's just like you said, where it's it's like the design of the devices, you know, the connotation gets reinforced all the time too. hearing aid. Um, you know, this idea that you're disabled, um, we're we don't pushing glasses people, seeing right. Right. <laughs> we, we are not only like people are running away from this as a solution. If you have mild to moderate hearing loss, good luck convincing somebody to get something that is the exact same packaging, marketing, messaging, everything that you position to somebody that has profound hearing loss, um, you know, the same demographics, like you are every mess, every message is universal. It's all the uniform. It's like, this is like, this is the type of patient and nobody, res it doesn't resonate. It doesn't resonate with people. And I think that like this whole idea of like the language, again, it's, it, it, Apple's a very good example of this, where it's like, they get that you can get, you can get the same kind of buy-in when you just reframe the way in which you talk about it. A really good example of this, another one of my favorite folks across the pond, Jeff Cooling, um, who's been on the podcast a few times, he had an awesome article where he kind of like, he, he, he was saying that, you know, similar with the way in which we speak to this, um, where he was like, why is it that this is all about something that you do when you get old? It should be something that you do to preserve your youth and you talk about it. And so that's, again, positioning it for a different demographic that's maybe more inclined for like the baby boomers. But it's the same point, which is we keep going at this. It's like the definition of insanity. It's like we just keep going at it the same way. And then here we are and we look at the, the market adoption data and we're like, OK, it's ticking upwards slightly, you know, in the penetration rate is pretty much the same. And you have all of these anecdotal instances where people talk about how they get the hearing aids, they spend all this money, they're not really happy, they put them in the drawer, and they never wear them again. And, you know, then you get dad has or grandpa is blasting the TV. Um, and it's like, we're going round and round and round in circles here. And it's like, we, we aren't really actually introducing any kind of like novel ideas, it feels like it's the same form factors. Now that's changing a little bit. I should be fair because like, I do think the whole instance of what's happening with the earbuds and blending the two and the hearables mm -hmm, hearing aid mm -hmm. conversions, like that, there are things that are happening, but I do think that it takes a concerted effort for everybody to just rethink this, like take it, take a deep breath, take a step back and think about like, are we actually compelling people in any way to wear these, or are we making it so that we hear this seven-year gap. We hear this 10-year gap of people, and you're actually a good instance. You were 10 years old, and mm -hmm. you didn't start actually wearing hearing aids until 19 because of the social yep. stigma that was around it. And so it's like we have to just completely reimagine the ways in which these things look and feel, the ways in which they're messaged to different demographics, and the ways in which we all talk about it. And I think that 
that was something that really resonated with me. And it's like, I know that you're just a guy that's building these things in your bedroom, but there you're onto something here, which is again, this whole idea that like, we do kind of have to come at a different angle from all of this, in my opinion. I completely agree. I, I think the, you know, one of the really big challenges at the moment is how do people come across hearing aids at this stage? It, it, there's a bit of a personal journey that you go on when you become, when you adopt hearing aids. And there's a lot of this, exactly this 10 year gap from the point where people find out they probably need hearing aids to eventually getting it. Um, and the whole customer journey there is, okay, you basically then have to go to a doctor and or an audiologist, ultimately a medical professional in a, a white coat and a tie to confirm that you've got a problem with yourself. And then it's a very kind of long emotional battle of accepting. And there's there's clearly a lot of denial in that 10 year period that, you know, I actually don't have a problem. It's you're mumbling, you're the problem, which is <laughs> pretty common. Um, and the whole process is you surrender to the idea of needing hearing aids rather than being inspired to wear hearing aids. And I think this is really the, the kind of the core of the problem. Like we need to change consumer behavior and just improving products is not gonna do that. Products don't change consumer behavior, brands do. And at the moment there is no consumer facing hearing brand. There, there are a couple of consumer facing hearing brands, but largely speaking, the, the, the mammoths in the hearing space. Um, I think if you asked a hundred people who Sonova was or GN or whatever, just random people, maybe a hundred people would say, I've not got no idea who that is. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're lucky, maybe one person might know. Um, there isn't really this consumer facing presence to change the way people think about hearing technology. And that's really what I'd love to try and create. A, a reason to wear hearing technology, not just to improve your hearing, but to improve everything about the way you interact with people. Because ultimately hearing comes down to not just being able to hear better and not needing to hear better. It's such a personal battle of self-confidence when, yes. when you can't hear in certain situations. It's not being able to hear what someone's saying and then feeling like you look stupid because everyone else heard and you didn't. And these are the problems that we need to attack. The hearing is just, you know, the, the part in the middle. And the ultimate thing, the, the thing that we need to remedy is this, this sense of self-confidence that, that is being stripped away from anyone who has any hearing problems. And that's really what I'd like to kind of have at the center of Butterfly Audio. That is the problem that we're solving, is trying to give people an opportunity to be the best version of themselves not just hear better because no one really wants that. No one cares about that. No one understands that. Even if you try to educate them on it, 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 that's not really how a lot of consumer branding works. And yeah, I think the whole way of things structured at the moment, that uh, kind of regulations that prevent consumer brands from having products on the market, um, well, up until recently with new over-the-counter regulation stuff that's going to become a little bit more, a little bit more easy. But you know, at the moment the people who market hearing aids are audiologists. Realistically, the manufacturers sell their products to audiologists and then audiologists tell their patients that they need a hearing aid. 
And so they're being told by a medical professional that they have a problem and they have a solution to their problem. It's not very inspirational for me, or at least it wasn't. So I think there's a, a lot of opportunity there to kind of change the way that we talk about hearing technology to, to the rest of the world. Yeah, because I think like a thought I often have is that, you know, again, you look at a lot of the adoption data, a lot of the sales data, um, and just from my vantage, it feels like that really what we talk about when we talk about the patient demographic and hearing aid users and who the audiologist typically is dealing with, it's the people with profound and severe hearing loss. And don't get me wrong. Yes, of course, there are people with moderate hearing loss. There's people with hidden hearing loss. There's people with mild hearing loss that they see. So it's not as if like this is just some generalized statement. But the point is, is like, I think that, again, we've we've sort of become so entrenched in like, this is the way that it is. And we keep coming at it like, oh, well, the way that we're going to solve the, you know, we're going to increase adoption and we're going to do all this is we're going to just introduce lower cost hearing aids. Well, part of the problem with that is we've seen this in the UK, for example, with the NHS, where you can get hearing aids for free. Why are their adoption rates about as similar as, as ours, right? So it's like Great example. the problem isn't really that um, it's just so multifaceted. And, and I think that I think that what you've been saying over the course of this whole conversation is very, very much of it as somebody that actually has dealt with this personally, very much of it is, is way less about the, the actual, um, technology and the byproduct of the technology, providing you with a sense of sound and being able to restore your hearing in such a way. It's way more tied to the societal element. It's way more tied to the feeling that you have as somebody that is falling into one of these buckets and the ways in which we marginalize them to feel like, you know, Hey, it's time for you to go and get your hearing aids because you have a problem. And I just, again, think that in order for us to ever combat these numbers that we always see, and this idea that there's this gigantic unserved market of people, it's not as if you just throw more hearing aids at the problem. It's more mm-hmm. like you completely reframe the way in which you talk to the people that you're compelling to wear these things in a totally different way, not the same way that you talk to somebody that has profound hearing loss. You know, you, you have to like segment these things out and it might not be the role of the audiologist. The audiologist role very much might be tied to the people with the more, the higher levels of severity. And it might be something where, you know, as maybe an audiologist or as a provider, you should be encouraging to people to help them understand the benefits of treating your hearing loss earlier and positioning it more as preserving your, you know, what you have now. And I just think that there's so many different little things that can be done rather than the one size fits all approach of, Oh, okay. Here, you're seeing me now. Let's get you some hearing aids. Totally, and uh, yeah, I also want to kind of just touch on the point. I don't want to give the impression to anyone that I think the hearing aid industry is is, is wrong, or, or that audiologists need to be replaced. Because I think you're absolutely right. There is the focus at the moment is on this kind of profound and severe 
hearing loss. And that requires, I think, more of a medical grade right. solution to a problem. And that needs to be there. It's not about trying to get rid of that. It's really about trying to open up just like the unserved market and, and, and have an additional opportunity for audiologists to also suggest to other people. Um, but ultimately, it's all the people who never actually go to an audiologist. Because that, that, exactly. that's been an interesting conversation I've had a couple of times where you know, I said, you know, I, I think we, we should have visible hearing aids. And then audiologists have said, well, none of my clients would like that. And I was like, well, the only people you've spoken to are the people who've already gone through that journey and they've ended up in your practice. Ding, ding, you haven't ding. spoken to all of the other people that actually never even went to your practice and never even thought about the concept of hearing aids. And that's really what I'm quite interested in in, in having because, you know, if you struggle to hear people in certain situations, you do everything in your psychological power to tell yourself that you don't need hearing aids mm -hmm. <laughs> no one wants them but if there was another product that was like oh wait a sec this is actually the audio equivalent of wearing a cool pair of glasses that just that doesn't just improve my hearing it, i'm wearing it because it improves how i interact with people then that's an alternative which could be interesting and so it, i'm really not trying to replace the hearing aid market i just think there is a huge amount of people who could benefit from hearing technology that currently do not have a solution for them. Yeah, no, I think you're, I, I, I think that's spot on. I mean, no one is suggesting, like you said, like that the audiologist doesn't have a role. Like clearly they have a role. It's a very, very mm -hmm. important role. Um, but I think that we have to, we have to come at this from a different approach. And uh, that's what we've talked about today. And so I, as we kind of come to the close here, I'm curious to, you know, just understand, like, again, you're a hobbyist, you're doing this in your bedroom, but you're serious. And um, what are ways that people that are listening today, um, engineers, people within the industry, people that are outside of the industry that are just interested in this, like, what are ways that people can support you? You know, is it just, through connecting with you or kind of like, where are you right now with your, you know, vision and um, cause it's inspiring. And I think that others would love to meet with you and understand more about what it is that you're doing and, and where maybe they can help you. So I guess here's a chance for you to kind of solicit yourself of where things stand right now, what you're looking for and ways that people that are listening uh, might be able to help you. So at the moment, I, you know, I call this a project, but, you know, ultimately I've been working on this largely full time for the last uh, eight months because I want this to become a business, a brand, something that has a lot of impact because I really think there is a, I've got a very clear vision of where I want this to go. And uh, I think there's a huge opportunity here. I think the challenge is that you, know, you can't just have an idea. You need to pull all the pieces together in a, in a relatively complex um, industry of audio technology to kind of make these things a, a, an actual reality. So at the moment, I'm I'm creating these videos that we've been talking about with an idea of reaching out to as many um, ultimately potential customers as possible. I'm trying to learn as much as I can from the available market that is currently being underserved. And this is great. I've been building up a few thousand followers on different social media channels uh, who are doing that. Uh, but soon this is going to change from hi i'm nick and i'm building a hearing aid in my bedroom to there's a lot of other people 
that have also been looking for this. And that's mm-hmm. already been confirmed to me. Countless people have emailed me going, finally, someone's actually doing this. Like, is there any way that I can help? Um, and it's awesome. And I think, you know, ultimately, if I'm going to go ahead and build a hardware business, this is going to require some some skills and probably a fair amount of money to actually make it a reality. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm really looking to kind of just talk to anyone who can try and help move this forward. And I think that is going to ultimately require expanding the team. So at the moment, I'm working on this um, also with a friend, Gray Dowdy, who's an awesome industrial designer, who's been um, really pulling a lot of the strings when it comes to uh, uh, making a beautiful piece of hardware. Um, but I'm going to need technologists, I think a business co-founder, uh, and ultimately turn this into a, a, a business that can actually have an impact. So yeah, my, my door's open for anyone who just wants to reach out. Awesome, man. Uh, Nick Morgan Jones. So at butterfly audio underscore. Yeah. At butterfly audio underscore on Twitter. Um, what other social channels are, are you real active on? Uh, pretty much all of them, but, uh, my <laughs> website, butterflyaudio.co, um, kind of over how it gives an overview of everything that I'm on there. Awesome, man. Such a great conversation. I'm sure this will not be the last time we hear from you. Um, I'm a big fan. I think it's so cool. Um, because like you said, there's people that are reaching out to you saying, finally, you know, I think that's just such a, that's so such motivation to keep going. So this has been such a fun conversation, Nick. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for everybody who tuned in here to the end and we will chat with you next time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Ear Radio. For more content like this, just head over to futureear.co where you can read all the articles that I've been writing these past few years on the worlds of voice technology and hearables and how the two are beginning to intersect. Thanks for tuning in and I'll chat with you next time.